Spotify. Hello. Thank you for choosing the Lackadaisical Abricubicularist Podcast. Without further delay, here is your host, Jordan Maywood. Hello, welcome to the Librocube. My name is Jordan Maywood, and I am the Lackadaisical Librocubicularist. Burp! No, I mean, today is Fra-Internet Day. Combining Fridays and Internets? Yes! Yes! Who would have thought that was a good idea? I suppose I did. And I suppose you do. For listening to this. Yeah, again. Something I like to say at the top of every show is a spoiler warning. However, on Internet Days, I do not feel a spoiler warning is necessary. So I do not give one. However, and it's a big however, I always mention I don't give a spoiler warning, which in itself is a sort of spoiler warning when you really think about it. But don't think too long, because we got a lot to cover today. Another thing I like to say is that if you like what you hear, the only payment I ask is one million dollars. <laughs> no, that is ridiculous. <coughs> I choke on its ridiculousness. The only payment I ask is perhaps you pass the podcast on to a friend. Perhaps you rate, subscribe, and comment within iTunes, as that is what helps podcasts grow and become things. Things! That will take us into our last piece of podcast-related ridness, which is today's sponsor, which is Seinfeld Brand Airplane Peanuts. Once again, today's sponsor is Seinfeld Brand Airplane Peanuts. Thank you to them for sponsoring this. The dough is rolling in. It's over the peanuts. It's like a pretzel, basically. Dough and, and nuts? No, wait. Uh, pretzels don't have nuts on Well, I suppose you could have a pretzel with nuts. That is beside the point. We're not here to talk about pretzels or nuts. We're here to talk about things from the internet. Things such as... Nerdist News, yeah, our buddy, our pal, friend of the show, although he is unaware of its existence, Mr. Chris Hardwick over at the Nerdist YouTube channel has created Nerdist News in which the lovely and talented Jessica Chobot, which I love that last name for the reason that it is almost robot, but with a ch instead. Anyways, uh, she, because it is year-end and it is a thing to do at the end of the year, gave out uh, quite a few top five lists. Man, uh, when you are a exposer, no, when you expose yourself to as much of the interwebs as I do, you're going to see around the end of the year a metric poop ton of top five and top ten lists. It's just like they explode top of 2013. That's a sort of idea. And it's a good thing, I suppose. I think it's also an easy-ish thing to do. Lists such as this going to get a lot of views and comments, which is uh, what you want, right? Oh, maybe I should have done something like that. Well, I guess in a sense I have, in the sense that I brought back um, three of Jessica Chobot's top five lists to discuss. That's uh, basically just stealing all the hard work they have done. I'm like a fra-internet-day vulture, basically, and that 
sickens me. I am sick. Hence the cough from earlier. Unless I edited that out, which sometimes I do. Oh boy, going down the rabbit hole here to areas I do not want to go. So, why don't I hop in to Jessica Chobots and Nerdist News' Top 5 Comics of 2013. Uh, every time comics, as in comic books or graphic novels, if you prefer, comes up, uh, I always like to mention that I don't really read comics, just for the reason that uh, when I do read them, which I have done, I've always enjoyed them while reading them, but sort of felt like I'm cheating on actual books, and all the times in which one would normally read comic books, I sort of use that time to read book books, because that is my one true great love. Uh, also, the missus. She's, uh, she's pretty good, too. Oh, you know what? This doesn't really make sense, I suppose, but uh, to mention this, that is, uh, it's the missus's birthday today, so let's wish her a happy birthday. Uh, I'm recording this internet day episode on a Friday, which uh, is also kind of strange because it doesn't often coincide. Normally I sort of pre-record them, which I suppose this is because I'm not posting it for uh, quite a, like a week or two. I'm recording this on my two-week hiatus of podcasting, in which, uh, to be honest, to be 100% homage with you, uh, I recorded quite a few podcasts on my two weeks off. Yeah. That's what an addiction is, people. Anyways, uh, so happy birthday to her. Maybe I will make her listen to this episode. You never know. Where was I? Top five comics of 2013. Daredevil. Uh, seems like a strange choice. I didn't, and so does the next, so does another one on this list. Uh, Daredevil and Hawkeye. Daredevil was five, Hawkeye was number three. Uh, I don't know, that seems like, I didn't think those two comics were, were that popular. I thought they were sort of, um, uh, B-team comics, but uh, apparently they are good ones, and you should uh, look at them and read them, because that's what comics is, looking and reading, although I suppose you do that with books as well. Okay, uh, next one is Hellboy, uh, that came in at number four. Uh, I'm a fan of Hellboy, I've seen all the animated movies as well as the live-action movies, have not actually read the comic books, but uh, I have seen them bits and pieces, and uh, I like the sort of art style of them. Very, very good uh, in the creating of crazy monsters and bad guys, which I think is very important. Almost sort of uh, Todd McFarlane-esque. Um, yeah. The last two are comics that I had never heard of in the number two, number one slot. East of West was the title of one, which looks like a sort of sci-fi western, which uh, I think is a good combination, sort of uh, like Firefly, I, I think would be at least my prime example. They are things that go well together for some reason, sci-fi and western. I wonder why that is. You wouldn't think they would, just because the time frames are slightly far apart, but whatever, good on them. And uh, number one was something called Saga, I actually sent myself an email as a reminder to try to check this one out, just because it's on number one of the Nerdist Top 5 Comics of 2013, so I feel almost obligated to check it out. Maybe uh, check out at least one issue to say I have seen and know what this is. It looks very cool. It's sort of a, uh, again, sort of space opera with fantasy mixed in, so obviously, obviously going to be up my alley a little bit, right? I freaking love sci-fi. I super, super love fantasy. I think I'd go fantasy slightly above sci-fi, although when it comes to post-apocalyptic, 
that's more sci-fi than fantasy, and that's probably my number one love. Uh, yeah, you know. So getting them, needless to say, getting them both together in one thing, uh, I'm going to like. So, Jordan, further mental note to check out Saga. And to you listening as well, why not? Check it out. And, how about I get a little audience participation, as I like to try to do from time to time. If you have read any of these and uh, have an opinion and let me know if you think I would like them, let me know. Hey, tweet at me, Jordan underscore Maywood on Twitter, or perhaps even email me to the address provided in the closing credits. Would love to hear from you about that or anything. Anything. Next is top five video games. Number five was Zelda Link Between Worlds for the DS. It makes me um, a little bit regretful, sure, uh, that I got rid of my DS for the reason that I do love a good Zelda game. But the last one I played wasn't very good. I don't think I even finished it. It was the one with the trains, where you had to ride around on trains and stuff. Yeah, I didn't have a great amount of fun with that one. So, But uh, from all accounts, this one is supposed to be the best in years. So, I don't know how I would get my hands on it. I don't have any Nintendo devices to play it on. Which, there is regret in me for that. Great regret. The next one is Gone Home. Gone Home is one of those ones where I keep hearing the critics sort of rave about. But, I kind of get that feeling that it is more critically acclaimed than it is by the fans. Just because it seems a little, uh, I think, artsy-fartsy. That being said, I think the same could be said for the video game Journey, where it's kind of a little on the artsy-fartsy side, but I love that game. It was, I think, perhaps the first, and maybe only, no, Last of Us, uh, the, the, probably the first game where I ever actually factually, like, shed a tear while playing a video game, which I almost didn't think was possible, so, uh, that was just an incredibly moving and beautiful experience, and this Gone Home seems to be of the same ilk, kind of, sort of, kind of, sort of. Definitely something I want to check out, and I will bring back on a video games day. You can guarantee it. In fact, Jordan, further mental note, uh, I think this game is on Steam. Fairly certain. Check her out, why don't yous? The top three games, I have played all of them, and uh, all appeared on video games day. Uh, Grand Theft Auto V, Bioshock Infinite, and Last of Us. If you care to, you can hear at length my opinions of each of those. Let me see if I can remember my ratings, just off the top of my head. I think uh, GTA V I gave a 5 to. I think Bioshock Infinite, uh, I can't remember if I gave a 4 or 5 to. Uh, I can't remember off the top of my head. Looking back on it, the fact that I don't think I will really... Well, maybe I would. Nah, I kind of don't think I would revisit and play through again. Maybe I would, though. Anyways, uh, that makes me want to lean towards 4 rather than 5. And uh, Last of Us gave a 5 out of 5. That was just... That's one of the most incredible video gaming experiences you can experience unlike anything I've ever played before. So, yeah, easy 5 out of 5 for that. Okay, uh, the last top 5 list of Miss Jessica Chobot I have brought back is Nerd Moments. Uh, Nerd Moment number 1, Disney buys LucasArts. Yeah, that has to do with Star Wars, basically, whatever. Uh, We know, if you've listened to many of these episodes, my feeling on Star Wars is that they are very good movies that are incredibly highly overrated. (laughs) 
It's a it's a combination of those two things. Both very good, and way 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 overrated to uh, to the goodness amount that they possess. Basically, this next one I kind of don't think it should be on the list. Uh, it is Batman versus Superman. Now, that's an amazing thing that that is going to happen, but it has not yet happened, so I don't think it should be on the list. Now, when that movie comes out, sure, put it on the list, but just the announcement of the movie on the list? I don't know. Seems strange. Looking forward to that, though. I love a little Batman vs. Superman. In fact, on a movie Monday, I don't know how long ago, spoke of the animated version of Batman vs. Superman. Highly, highly recommend you check that out. I know I gave that a 5 out of 5. Uh, just talking about it these brief seconds makes me want to re-watch it. Very, very good. Check that out. Uh, number three, I think it is, is Tom Hiddleston. Just period. <laughs> That's amusing. Number two is Doctor Who 50-year anniversary. So I, I like that. The Nerdist, Chris Hardwick in particular, and the channel as well. is huge, huge Doctor Who fans, so one of the reasons that I love those things. Uh, and number one, yeah, this makes sense. I, I might put Doctor Who above it, but uh, yeah, this deserves to be on the list, and that is Next Generation Gaming. We all got uh, new gaming systems coming out. I have ordered my PlayStation 4. I'm not going to have it till February, though. Yeah, that's a little disappointing. I used all my Christmas gift cards to Amazon that I asked for to purchase it, but... Uh, the ETA is February. Oh, well, I'm not going to lose too much sleep just for the reason that that will give it some more time to hopefully have games come out for it. <laughs> because that'll be nice to play games on it. Uh, okay, I think I have time to slip in one more. That's what he said. This is one... Oh, did I have I brought this back before? I can't remember. I think I wanted to, but didn't for some reason. Anyways, this is another uh, YouTube channel... A, again, for lack of a better term, we'll just go ahead and call it a web series called True Facts. True Facts. This is a dude who does a fairly spot-on Morgan Freeman impression and narrates animal documentaries. And the narration is ridiculous. Hidden within these videos are some actual, factual, real facts, but also um, comedy and ridiculousnesses. For example, this one was about the armadillo, or as he repeatedly called it, <laughs> as you can imagine in a comedy video about an armadillo. Oh, Jesus, I just did it by mistake there. <laughs> as you can imagine, about in a comedy video about an armadillo, it will get called an armadildo. An armadildo. I feel it needs to be said multiple times, so I did. He uh, points out that the sort of ancient, during the time of the dinosaurs, giant armadildos um, would breathe fire. So that's, uh, that's impressive, and probably not true, I'm guessing. Some of the actual factual facts, and I was unaware of this, I yeah, yeah, yeah. I was going to say, I think I was unaware of this. No, I wasn't unaware of this. There is a, quite a few different types of armadillo. I, I didn't think there were so many. Some of them, I can guarantee, if you watch this video, I bet you have not seen some of the types of armadillos that exist. 
in the world today. So uh, it's, it's, it was pretty interesting, even just from that point of view. <laughs> One thing I find interesting about that this video is, uh, I don't know, maybe it's just me, but I, I think it's almost hard to tell, in some cases, some of the facts that he has made up versus what the actual truth is. And uh, I like that. Confusing one generation of watchers of this web series at a time. True facts. He's got other ones. There's one on the frog. Uh, there's there's a whole wide variety of them. I, I, I recommend that you check all of them out. Or maybe start with Armadildo and then work your way backwards. That's a way to go about it. That's what it is. Folks, uh, I don't have time. I've got two more items to fit in with zero time to fit them in, so I will go into work, I will do eight hours of work, and then I'll come back for the final two items. Oh, you know what? Uh, right before I pull in, that's what he said again, uh, one thing I did want to mention is that Comedy Bang Bang, my favorite podcast in terms of generating the hardest laughter, uh, recently posted four, count them four, best of 2013 episodes, which I have been listening to at work while working the last couple of days, and it is just a little slice of awesome. I debated bringing them back, but uh, I brought back some of these episodes over the course of the year, so I didn't want to repeat myself. Also, for you listening to this, please, please, please go over and uh, check those out. Best of 2013 Comedy Bang Bang. I kind of regret just saying that for the reason that you're going to go over there and never come back here because those are awesome and this is um, slightly less awesome than those. Yep, 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 yep. One final thing to say before going to work and that is of course, oh my god, look at her butt. I'm a fool to do your dirty working, working, working. And we're back. We are back. We are back. We are back. We are back. Back. We are back. Back in action. Hello again. That was a work day. And it is the weekend. Officially. Officially the weekend. Which makes me happy. I think, in the interest of fitting everything in, I should jump right in. Back to it, to this Fry Internet Day episode, with item the third, I do believe, an episode of Tabletop. Tabletop, with host Will Wheaton, is a game. Is a game. Is a, again, we're just gonna goddamn well call it a web series, because that description fits as well as anything. A web series in which Will Wheaton will uh, sit and play, I think every single time it's been with three other people, a tabletop game of some sort. In this case, a game called Carcassonne. Carcassonne is apparently, and uh, I got learned a little bit, one of the sort of most popular tabletop games of the sort of German variety a la Settlers of Catan, this one and a couple other ones are sort of like the uber popular ones for people who play tabletop games. As far as tabletop games goes, watching these videos always makes me jealous. Jealous? Jealous. Jealous of Will Heaton and uh, having all these friends to play tabletop games with all the time because I have friends. That is not the problem, but uh, none of them are tabletop gamers. So 
uh, I kind of live vicariously through these videos, which is, I suppose, not as good, but it is helping to fill the void a little bit. The three people he had in this episode were uh, Jesse Cox, who is a game blogger, and Nika, Nika? Oh, shit. N-I-K-A Harper, who is a, write, a writer and a vlogger, I've written down. And last, but certainly most, I hate to say it that way, but who I was most looking forward to see play this game and talk and say funny things, Mr. Kamel Nanjiani, who has, in one form or the other, come up on this podcast quite a number of times because, well, he does the podcast rounds, he's got a big presence on the internet and in comedy, so the fact that I expose myself to internets and comedies fairly often means I know this dude and like him. In fact, I have sort of go-to joke with regards to Kamel Nanjiani, and it goes thusly, that uh, we are both podcasters, both have our own podcast. We both speak of video games on our podcast. He, on one called The Indoor Kids, where it is video game-themed me on her Video Games Day episodes, where I talk of video games. We are both married to women named Emily. We are both from Pakistan. One of those things is not true. I will leave it up to you to decide which. Hmm, interesting. I think Will Wheaton had uh, sort of the perfect uh, encapsulation of this game right off the bat, so I wrote it down word for word because there's no way I'm going to beat it. This is a tile-laying area control game. Um, if you watch enough of these episodes of Tabletop, <laughs> Tabletop, or know the sort of lingo of Tabletop games, that will make perfect sense to you. If not, it's some good descriptive words in it that will at least potentially give you an idea, I think. So I wrote it down. Yay! Uh, it does look like a fun game. In fact, just about every game on this has appeared fun, with the exception of one I remember uh, where it was like racing around a track. That didn't seem fun. It seemed, in fact, boring. My favorite ones are the role-playing type ones, though, which are I'm sort of the most interested to get involved with. So if you, listening to this, live in Canada, specifically Ontario, and want to play some of these games, then... Well, uh, I probably won't play with you, but, you know, it's a thought. It's a thought. This game has also apparently won many, many awards, sort of a la as well. Settlers of Catan, German, I mentioned, kind of uh, uh, described as a gateway game for other games such as this. Uh, you're basically placing tiles and building a map out of said tiles, and on the map uh, you're placing your, your guys, your men, which can be farmers... Um, I forget what other, all I remember was farmers. Oh, shit. Anyways, your guys, depending on how you and where you place them, can be different sort of units that accrue a certain amount of points, depending on how you place them. A lot of strategy involved. It kind of has that really good feel of somewhat easy to play but difficult to master, which is really what you're looking for in a game such as this. This is a very, very rare occurrence in which Mr. Will Wheaton was the winner. Yeah, sort of uh, famously, although he's pulling it, he's pulling it, uh, he's turning it around a little bit lately, but sort of famously, 
his ratio of losses to wins on his own friggin' uh, web series that he plays games is not very good. Yeah, he loses and loses often. Someone's ride my ass. You know what I like to do when people are riding my ass? Just give the brakes a little tap. Yeah, that's what I'll do sometimes, and what I just did. It seems to have worked a little bit. Uh, Kamel Nanjiani came in second, and <laughs> that was funny for the reason that he was, I think, more excited to come in second than uh, Will Wheaton was to come in first. Just He'd never played this game before. He had very, very low expectations of winning. So to come in second, he's he's thinking he's the bee's knees, basically. Uh, another reason I think this game is popular, and I think they even mentioned it, was that uh, you play the entire game, and you can't really tell until tallying up the points at the end of the game who has won. Pre-tallying of points, sort of just before, the, the differences in the accumulated points each of the four players had was quite large, but... After the tally, the difference in points was like maybe only four or or so. It was really quite something to see. Probably is one of the reasons this game is so popular, that sort of not knowing who is going to win, the, the easy-to-play, difficult-to-master, all these things combined seem, for a very, seemingly make a very, very fun game, one in which I would like to play. Will said there is an app on the iPhone, not an app, but a game. Well, do you, do you call a game an app and an app a game? I don't know. Anyways, uh, I did check it out. It is 10 bucks. I don't know if I paid $10 for this game. It's, I, I debated it. Maybe I will. But um, I don't know. I've had a lot of good books on the go lately. And I find when I have book <laughs> wood goods, <laughs> good books on the go, that uh, I, I don't touch my phone as often as I do otherwise. So that's a little uh, interesting psychology there for you. Okay, so let's move on to our final item, which is a return of an item, which is comedians in cars getting coffee. Oh my God, it's back for, I would you call it season three? I think that's what they're calling it. It's hard to keep track of things on the internet. You call them seasons, you call them web series. Just call them whatever the hell you want. Just don't call them late for dinner. Extra, extra, extra long pause for comedy there because I felt it was warranted. Uh, this episode is with Louis C.K. Yeah, so uh, kind of fits in nicely with, uh, if you listen to... Uh, <laughs> uh, just trying to figure out continuity of things, and I don't know how it's going to work, so I'll just explain that. I uh, just recorded yesterday a movie Monday in which I watched American Hustle, in which Louis C.K. was in. I'm going to next week be recording a TV Tuesday, I do believe, in which I watched the uh, first three seasons of the television show, Louis, with this same Louis C.K. So I've had, it seems like, a shit ton of exposure to Louis C.K. lately, and I goddamn love it. Love it! And him, I guess, by association. So it was nice to see him in the return of this show, web series, whatever, God, in which Jerry Seinfeld, yes, that Jerry Seinfeld, will uh, call up a comedian and say, hey, you want to go get a coffee? Then they'll pick him up, and they'll shoot the shit, and get a coffee, and tell jokes, and laugh, and talk, and it is... It's kind of podcast-like in some regards, 
I uh, saw a little interview with Mr. Seinfeld, and the only sort of scripted thing is that call at the beginning, that do you want to go get a coffee? Because obviously it's set up beforehand that they're going to be doing this. It's not just spur of the moment that they're going to go out. Because these people are in show business, and this is a busy business. Busy business! So, uh, you gotta kind of plan ahead, right? The car that they drove, which I should mention, every single episode, Jerry Seinfeld has a different car. They pick up, that he uses to pick up the comedians. This one was a 1959 Fiat Jolly. A Jolly, it's called. This was a pretty hideous car. <laughs> my, my absolute favorite thing of this car, and I, I was going to talk more of it, but I can't see my notes, really. So the only thing I'm going to say is my favorite, which was that it had wicker seats. This car's seats, they were not fabric. They were not leather. They were not plush, rich Corinthian leather. No, no, no. They were wicker. Seats made of wicker within a car. Yeah, <laughs> you don't see that um, ever. And I think there's a reason you don't see wicker seats in a car. Uh, it was two-cylinder, I remember. And just, it was done up nicely in the sense that it didn't look like a shitbox. Like, it looked like it was in pretty good condition. Like, paint-wise and canopy circus-like canopy that was over you. Oh, uh, you gotta see this thing, just for the car alone. Anyways, um, it did seem to drive, not quickly, but he did have an episode, I forget which one, where the car uh, kept breaking down and stalling. So he picks up Louis C.K., and they go get a coffee. However, they do something a little different on this episode, and rather than go to a coffee shop, as they usually do, they head on out to Louis C.K.'s boat. I think at the beginning of this episode, uh, Jerry Seinfeld prefaces it with something along the lines of, we're going to do something that I bet you cannot picture Louis C.K. doing. And that is a very good preface for the reason that it is very, very difficult, after all my exposure to Louis C.K. recently, to picture him piloting, captaining, if you will, a fairly large boat, yacht in its stature. I might even go so far as to say... Yeah, but uh, apparently he's been doing it for a little while now, and practice makes perfect. Jerry was, and I suppose I was too, very impressed with him getting it sort of out of dock, out of the marina, because it looked like it was a pretty tight fit, but he seemed to know what he was doing, so it was kind of neat to witness a totally unexpected <laughs> surprise from Louis C.K. and his captaining abilities. A little bit, and I wish they had it maybe played off it a little more, a little bit of that Louis the captain and uh, Jerry Seinfeld's the like mate, so he's bossing him around a bit. I would have liked to see more of that. So this all took place in New York, and they drove down the river, whatever river that is, Hudson, Hudson River. Anyways, uh, some beautiful sights to see, and this episode ended with something they'd never done before on any of the previous comedian in cars getting coffee. So uh, I kind of wonder if they just did it for this one or if it's going to be a new thing they do all the time. And that is Louis C.K. told a story, a story of going out in this yacht where he got stuck in the mud, stuck in the mud in Harlem in this sort of little inlet because he uh, something to do with the tides. Uh, I don't really know. Listen to the story for yourself. That's my main thing of Fry Internet Day episodes is me talking about it, yes, but I hope you go experience it for yourself. Anyways, what they did was animated his story. So rather than just Jerry and Louis sitting there 
talking, which is fine with me. They did sort of a la, uh, what the hell was it, uh, Ricky Gervais's podcast where they used to animate that, the Ricky Gervais show. What was it called? I, I don't remember. Anyways, it was very, very similar to that, even in sort of art style, it was sort of visually similar. So uh, it was cool. I liked it. It allows them a little more freedom to add comedy to the animations while the story is going. It's a, it's a brilliant idea, and uh, I hope to see more of it. I think what it will need to sort of uh, be pulled off repeatedly is for someone to have a story such as this. Like, just sitting there talking, I think, would make it difficult to animate. But when you have a, an actual factual story to tell, then uh, then it, I think it fits that, I don't know, medium, let's call it, a little bit better. Oh, uh, final note on comedians in cars getting coffee is all previous episodes have been maybe maximum, like 10 minutes long, some less. I don't think any more than 10 minutes, really. This episode, 22 minutes. Yeah, 22 minutes, if you are unfamiliar. That is like a TV show half-hour comedy length. So that potentially, for me, means that they're sort of gearing this towards moving it over to television, which I kind of hope they don't, to be 100% Amish with you. It fits so, so well on the interwebs that uh, I think it would be a shame to move it to TV, where uh, TV is, you know, there's rules and things and timetables and stuff. And you don't need that. you got to stay on the interwebs. It's like Adam Carolla's pirate ship. You can do what you want. What you want! What you really, really want. I want to. Want to. Want to. Excuse me, I have the hiccups. Zig a zig, ow. Okay, uh, that is the end of this Fra Internet Day episode. Very much fun was had by me, so I assume some, at the very least, some of that will translate over to you, the listener. If it has, I would love to hear from you. I will say, though, as I do from time to time, 230, I think, somewhat times now, that it is nice to be nice to the nice. Thank you for listening. We here in the Liberal Cube would love to hear from you. If for any reason you would like to contact us, you can do so via the email address, mailwood.jordan at gmail.com. And now I have a theory. I've got a theory that it's a demon, a dancing demon. Something isn't right there. I've got a theory. The best is yet to come, and babe, won't it be fine? You think you've seen the sun, but you ain't seen it shine. Wait till the warm-up's underway. Wait till our lips have met. Wait till you see that sunshine day You ain't seen nothing yet The best is yet to come and be Won't it be fine? The best is yet to come, come the day you're mine Live long and prosper.